Let us pray. Oh, Lord, our God, it is tempting to believe that fulfillment comes from other places besides you. It is so tempting that it's almost impossible to believe at times that the source of our joy, the source of our wholeness is you. But please open our hearts and minds to this passage, to you in our midst. And I pray most earnestly that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be acceptable to you. For you are our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. You know, part of our Reformed tradition says very clearly that when you go to um, interpret the Word of God in Scripture, that the way to do it is to have the Bible in one hand and the um, newspaper in the other because we strive to be relevant and we strive to have a faith that's grounded and rooted in reality. Well, the newspaper this week was pretty awful. I don't know how you were affected by the fact that our sheriff's deputies were murdered in, at Panera in Abingdon earlier this week, but it was, there's no getting around it. It was heartbreaking, it was demoralizing, and it was scary. And obviously, prayers are needed for the victims' families. But it's interesting, and this is the key, how tempted we are when something shakes up our world, especially something like this, to go to um, places that may or may not have to do with reality. I, we cannot downplay the danger of this and the impact of this, but I am so aware of what happens when people take an incident and generalize it to the point of becoming filled with panic. A terrible thing did happen, but to extrapolate that the world is going to the dogs when the last time there was a shooting death of deputy officers, I thought was in the 1770s, but someone told me yesterday it might have been in the 1890s, but that's still a long time ago. So I'm just giving you something that I am tempted to do when something like this happens, put it into a bite-sized reality to make it manageable. My temptation with tragedy is to make danger manageable. Other people's temptation when there is tragedy is to explode and say, the world is collapsing. We all have temptations to go to these places. We are tempted in every way to go to reliable fallback positions when we feel threatened or as today's passage, and this really strums on our temptations, when we are in the wilderness and feeling empty and spiritually starving to death, the temptations to go to these fallback positions are huge. Jesus had been baptized. This is Luke 4, one through the first part of Luke 4. And he returned from the Jordan, and he was full of the Holy Spirit. And that little phrase is so important in understanding this passage. He was full of the Holy Spirit, and he was led by the Holy Spirit into the desert. And I know that when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't think about food that much. So it is kind of conceivable that he did go for 40 days without eating. In the spirit, he was led to the desert where for 40 days he was actually tempted by the devil. 
And one thing that the Gospels and the life of Christ will not permit us to ignore, because believe me, I've tried to, is the reality of the devil. It's there throughout the Gospels. And to get rid of the devil is to gut so much of the scripture that it's left hollow almost. And Christ had no evil in him, so evil accosted him. And in this situation, he was, as I said, spiritually full. But after 40 days, he was empty physically because he hadn't eaten food. And he was ravenous, and therefore he did become spiritually vulnerable. And the devil said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. If you're really God, then for heaven's sake, eat. And the better translation is, since you are the son of God. But both of these tauntings from the devil have a sarcastic edge to them because the devil's voice is sarcastic making us feel a little less than and in the wilderness whatever emptiness is there whatever kind of wilderness we are in if there is emptiness it expands and the wilderness of our heart the wilderness of our environment the wilderness of our soul is barren and stark and hopeless and when the Israelites ventured in it for 40 days, hopelessness was their constant companion, and their cynicism flourished. And the wilderness that Christ inhabited, literally inhabited, was this monochromatic kind of gray-beige environment that is ugly. And I remember being so disappointed in visiting the Holy Land and seeing that that desert is so ugly compared to the western United States where there are muted colors and big skies and subtlety and beauty. But in this desert, there was no place for the eye to feast. It was environmental poverty and human desolation because it was also empty. There was no one in it. And Jesus was a balanced person. In fact, I think we can say he was the balanced person. He was an introvert. He was an extrovert. He needed a long time with God, but he was also energized by people. He loved them so much. And in the wilderness, there is no emotional intimacy, just one awful, haranguing, stupid voice of the devil. And whether it was audible or a string of thoughts in his head, it doesn't matter. The devil was there. And it was a voice without Holy Spirit content whatsoever, voicing a perverted understanding of what it means to be full. Nothing fills our souls but God. Nothing fills completely our souls but God. Humans seek substitutes. I remember reading J.I. Packer, this theologian, years ago, who said inside every human being is a God-shaped vacuum. And nothing can fill that vacuum except God. And that's really true. But the truth goes even deeper than this. God is not only the right shape to fill our soul, but the right substance, the right weight to fill our soul. We are whole when we are filled by God with God. 
and with anyone or anything else, hunger stays with us. You know, my mom talks about this a lot, referring to her own children and grandchildren and to her 65-year-old marriage because her kids are all over the world in dangerous places. They really are. And her grandkids are all over the world living in dangerous places. And she knows that she cannot use her children and grandchildren to fill her up. So she constantly gives us to God, and that is the pathway to love. And with her 65-year marriage, I ask her about this, and she says, I do not expect him to meet my needs. I said, you mean some of your needs, right? And she says, no, <laughs> I do not expect him to really meet my deepest needs. He can't. The pathway to love is to let God be the one. We cannot expect anyone or anything else to make us complete. And without placing unrealistic expectations on people, then we're free to really love them for who they are, not what they give to us. Temptation is to look for fulfillment in people and elsewhere and everywhere. And temptation is heightened when there is physical deprivation and hunger and emptiness. It drives us to false security. Since you are God, Satan says, turn the stones into bread. And Jesus was starving, but he says, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. So the devil gave up on this particular temptation. He'll be back. But there are certain things that the devil or evil cannot understand, cannot duplicate, cannot grasp, because evil is the absence of God. There are certain things evil can never imitate, like forgiveness. Every time we forgive and love a person in spite of their humanness, we are far, far, far from evil. And every time we receive the forgiveness of Christ, we are as far from evil as possible because what evil says is you're unforgivable. Every time we have hope and the wilderness with its deprivation and stark barrenness has as its core hopelessness and it's tempting to believe you will remain empty but when filled with the Holy Spirit, it is possible to have hope for every person, for every outcome, to believe God's promise that all things will work together for good for those who believe. Evil breeds cynicism, a life without hope. God's love is hope. True joy, an experience of it, leaves you with a grin that you cannot wipe off your face. Because true joy is the fact that God does manifest himself and the Holy Spirit does visit from time to time. And for some reason in this season, we've had a lot of Holy Spirit activity in this church just lately. And humility, the devil wants us to believe that all knowledge is human in origin and development. That we trust our own thoughts and we trust our own perspective about everything. And we know in our spirit that this is arrogant, but we hear from the world, your own thoughts are what matters more than anything. Your own perspective is what matters more than anything. And when you take this to its logical conclusion, 
the very, very dark thoughts of the guy who murdered the sheriff's deputy thought that those thoughts made sense. There is relief in Holy Spirit knowledge, relief in the fact that we can't know everything and certain things that the devil cannot imitate, humility, and the devil cannot imitate compassion, and he cannot imitate empathy. This is why the Holy Spirit gives us the power to have compassion outside ourselves, because the playground of evil is within our deepest selves when we are so self-absorbed that we are focused on who has wounded me lately. Why do I feel so hurt? You're going to have those feelings, but I'm not kidding. It's the evil's playground to have your whole world, our whole world, focused on the intricacies of relationship where we feel victimized. What the Holy Spirit does is gives us a picture of the world. In the last two sermons, I felt compelled to mention the refugee situation in Syria because the Holy Spirit keeps bringing it up and you keep bringing it up that we can have compassion towards something outside of ourselves, outside of our sphere. This is the exact opposite of the work of the devil to be driven by people you don't even know but your hearts are breaking because you see what is happening because the devil promotes self-involvement and the Holy Spirit promotes love. And all of these things are what the love of God is, forgiveness, hope, true joy and humility. And all of these things are what lead to the peace that surpasses all understanding and God's work. So we invite you to come to the table and be filled. Let us pray. Lord, we want to be filled with your love. We want the blessed sweet relief that comes when we can be filled with your purpose and energized by your spirit. You actually have work for us to do. And so we come to you and ask for the filling. In Jesus' name, amen.